Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. This week, our producing team listened to these right-wing radio shows, took them seriously, tried to get a sense of what they are saying about Biden, because they're barely talking about COVID anymore. They're all focused on Biden. This stuff is outrageous, but it does impact the campaign. So listen. He's not really running for the office. It's the communists that he picks as his number two who will be running America within three months after he is sent to the long, long rest he has worked for all of his life. You know, a blanket over his hips, around-the-clock suites, around-the-clock care. The man needs the care right now. I pity the man. Every day. Every day, this is what's airing on the radio. There's Michael Savage saying, I pity the man. What the heck is going on on these programs? This is CNN, the most trusted name in the <laughs> It's so trusted, it's like saying two plus two doesn't equal four. There's a college math teacher at Brooklyn College who says two plus two equals four reeks of white supremacist patriarchy. So it's the same thing with CNN. They distort things every day. They say two plus two equals whatever you want it to be. And then they say it's white supremacy if you say two plus two equals four or that Biden is mentally incompetent. Welcome to the Savage Nation. It is Monday. We made it through another long weekend. Well, the reason this mini-me of Jeff Zucker, who is the man, the, the brains behind CNN, the evil mind behind CNN is Jeff Zucker. And I went on air and I said CNN's boss, Jeff Zucker heard me say Trump should arrest him and try him for stoking race warfare and violence. So then the Harvey Weinstein lookalike, meaning Zucker, told his mini-me, Brian Seltzer, to attack me. I mean, it's a simple, he's a mini-me. If you look at Stelter, he looks like a mini-me of Jeff Zucker, like a, like a piece of him, like a yeast butt off Jeff Zucker's behind. <laughs> Can you imagine being uh, Brian Seltzer's mother and having to look at him every day on TV making an ass of himself? But we'll talk about other things. So then this Brian Seltzer, the mini-me of uh, the owner of CNN, a runner of CNN, then makes another whopper. Listen to clip three. You got to hear this. It's worth hearing. Let's hear it. When you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing down Trump? Uh, there, there really isn't. There really isn't? Uh, how about everyone in the media that's around the clock, the morons? I see the idiots around me. They get the newspaper delivered in the morning, the know-nothing whites, those who are seeing their country dissolving in front of their eyes. They open the newspaper. I see on Sunday, I bicycle by. They got a New York Times in blue. They got a local rag and whatever the rapper is. And they're going to have their brains filled with around the clock. You're going to open it up. Trump caused cancer. Trump started nuclear war on Mars. Trump is causing the polar ice caps to melt. Let's see, Trump made the trains run off time. 
Trump is causing the violence in Chicago. This is what they read all day long, these know-nothings. And you wonder why the country is, is melting down. California, meanwhile, is using $100 million of the $550 million sent by the government, federal government, sends California $100 million. Wait, let's start again. California is using $100 million of a half a billion dollars in federal coronavirus funds to do what? Put homeless vermin into hotels. The California Department of Housing and Community Development, I love the community development, is using $100 million of the $550 million it got from the Federal Coronavirus Relief Fund to put homeless bums in hotel rooms in San Francisco as a way to allegedly curb the spread of the disease. As the coronavirus crisis stretches on and many hotels remain shuttered, some owners are becoming more open to the idea of selling rather than hanging on to see how long they can survive the crippled economy. So in other words, they pay off politicians in the state capitol, and then they get the state politicians in the state capitol to give them back $100 for every dollar they give them. And uh, so they put bums into their hotels. So now one of the communist uh, San Francisco supervisors is saying, you know, we really need to buy these buildings and turn them into permanent uh, homeless shelters. And if the hotel owners don't sell them, we ought to use the uh, eminent domain to take the hotels from them. So when I first started calling these leftist communists, you thought I was extremist. But guess what? Everyone now knows what they are. It's that simple. Phone number here is 855-400-7282. Let's go on to a so-called math professor claims the equation 2 plus 2 equals 4 reeks of white supremacist patriarchy. I guess she means those uh, degenerate Greeks. But wasn't the Arabs who gave us mathematics? I thought it was the Arabs. So then... If 2 plus 2 equals 4 reeks of white supremacist patriarchy, and all of math, as we have been told, is based upon the Arabs, so isn't it Arab supremacist patriarchy? I don't know. She doesn't know anything, but she doesn't stop me being a professor. She says the idea that math or data is culturally neutral or in any way objective is a myth. I'm ready to move on with that understanding. Who's coming with me? Said so-called Brooklyn College, so-called professor of so-called math education, Lori Rubel. She tweeted last week to her roughly 1,200 followers. You hear this? My dog would have more followers than her. Teddy could have a larger following on Twitter than this professor. She then goes on. Along with the, of course, math is neutral because 2 plus 2 equals 4 trope are the related and creepy, quote, math is pure and protected math, reeks of white supremacist patriarchy. She then goes on to say, I'd rather think of nurturing people and protecting the planet. Uh than doing that kind of math. Now, ladies and gentlemen, years ago I told you that eventually the communist left would totally become unhinged and they would start to say things such as this, that two plus two equals four is racist. I am surprised they haven't insisted yet that the White House be repainted into another color for being too, uh, I don't know, exclusionist, too racist. You can't call it the White House by excluding the, excluding the rainbow. And while you're at it, don't you think that the white picket fence is really reeking of white supremacy and patriarchy to keep out people of color? Isn't that what the white picket fence says? Unless you're white, stay away. And, and while we're at it, if you think about it, the entire edifice of Western civilization is really quite racist. God is racist. Why would God, if you were not a, not a white supremacist, have created white clouds? Think about it. He could have chosen any color for the clouds. They could have been multicolored, 
They could have been of a single color. Why would a God create a white cloud unless he reeked, unless he reeked of white supremacist patriarchy? And so I think the only answer to this is for the left to start doing what they're aiming to do anyway, which is to start burning Jewish temples and rip the Torahs out of their temples and burn them. Because after all, it's in the Torah. All the Ten Commandments are white supremacist patriarchy, aren't they? Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. That's not nurturing people and protecting the planet. And the Ten Commandments, weren't they written for white people, when you think about it? Weren't the Ten Commandments written to keep people of color down? Well, that's the way they think. And so the answer is you've got to burn those Bibles and call it progressivism. And meanwhile, in Chicago, looting, looting, more looting, more violence. Chicago looted, cops attacked. And take a look at the mayor, light brain. Incompetent. Where did they get these mayors from? We have a mayor like that in San Francisco. There's a mayor like her in Chicago. They're, again, you talk about mini-me's. They look like they're cut from the same ice cream cake. Where did they come from? These pallid-looking people with very low IQs have been put into all of these liberal cities, and the cities are burning. And then you see uh, people, we can't identify the race because it would be impolite to do so, loading up the trunks of their cars with uh, electronics in the name of uh, justice and peace. Television sets, whatever they can get their hands on, sticking them in the trunks uh, of their cars. Looters and rioters. And, of course, they must have done it because if Trump did something. I haven't figured out the, uh, the connection between why they were looting in Chicago and Trump, but I'm sure that Brian Stelter will get his marching orders by the end of the day. Now, on Friday, I tweeted this. Nancy Pelosi wants to bankrupt the U.S. She is like the Mad King Ludwig II of Bavaria. So Trump approves of a $2 trillion. Was it $2 trillion, Jim, or one? He added another two. Another two he adds. And crazy King Pelosi or Queen Pelosi says, no, we need three. We need to bankrupt the country quicker so we can get the coupons in our pockets and control the country as in World War II. Do you understand how sick this country has become under Pelosi and the entire left establishment? So you say, well, what are you going to do about it? Listen, here's my job. My job is that of a commentator. I am not a revolutionary. I'm not a person into street action. I never was. I advised against it from the beginning for those who did it. Uh, the left is into street action. And, of course, we used to have police who were empowered to stop them. Now the police have been neutralized by Brian Stelter and CNN in particular. They've been called fascist, racist, pigs, everything under the sun, even if they're people of color in police uniforms. And so the police now have been taught not to do anything. And as a result, there's looting, burning, shootings. Okay. But that's not to leave out Hollywood. Here's a left-wing Jewish actor named, uh, what's his name, Seth Rogen, who's way past his prime. Seth Rogen was funny when he first appeared on the scene. He played a fat, bumbling moron, and he was charming as a fat, bumbling moron. Then the fat, bumbling moron, Seth Rogen, started to take himself seriously. He wanted to get more serious roles. So over the weekend, he said Israel should not exist. Now, here is a Jewish actor who says Israel should not exist on a podcast, even though his own parents apparently met at a kibbutz in Israel. What do you conclude from this? You conclude there's only one thing in this formula that works, Seth. Liberalism is a mental disorder. You belong in a mental hospital. You are the type that welcome. Well, I'll, I better stop here because this is a national talk show. I think I made my point. You know, I can only go so far. I've gone as far as I intend to go. 
So here's some other stories that I'm going to talk about. And you could call on any one of them. I've got so many wonderful tales to tell you. And I've got so many real stories to tell you. Alcoholism drug disulfiram shows strong potential as COVID-19 treatment. This is coming out of Russia. Oh, yes. The evil Russia has some very great scientists. Nancy doesn't know that. And the, the Russian scientists said that they found that a common treatment for alcoholism, disulfiram, is working as a COVID-19 treatment. The bottom line on this is that it is a sulfur-based drug. And you should understand uh, something about sulfur and how powerful it really is. Sulfur-containing drugs such as this one, disulfiram, are able to lock onto the active site of MPRO on the virus very well. And you should understand something else. There are sulfur-containing foods as well that are quite protective against many microbes. Do you know what the number one sulfur-containing food that works in a more direct manner and in a less toxic manner than drugs do? It's called Russian penicillin. It's known as garlic. Savage. Okay, you know I'm a car guy. You know I've had a Hellcat. And with the ever-increasing numbers of cars like Dodge, BMW, and Volkswagen, and models like the Hellcat, X3, and Jetta, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. We all know that. I'm a car guy, and I'm telling you why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while a counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com right in your home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts in a chain store or new car dealership when you could do it at home on your own computer? Now, you may not know this, but chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and reliably low they are. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Does not require this. You could just do it yourself. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet sets. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. But best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write SAVAGE in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. That's S-A-V-A-G-E. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Don't stand online in an auto parts store and wait for the hostile clerk to get back to you. Go to rockauto.com. All the 
parts your car will never need Rock Auto All the parts your car will never need Rock Auto There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. We are waking up um, in shock this morning. In early morning hours of um, today, dozens of individuals came to our loop, Mag Mile, River North, and Gold Coast neighborhoods, as well as our commercial district around uh, North and Clybourne. These individuals engaged in what can only be described as brazen and extensive criminal looting and destruction. And to be clear, this had nothing to do with legitimate, protected First Amendment um, expression. That's very racist, by the way, and very judgmental of the Chicago mayor to say that such looting and destruction that Chicago saw this morning has nothing to do with First Amendment expression. I would think First Amendment expression is what you want it to be. So if that includes looting, shooting, uh, beating people up, I think that's legitimate, protected First Amendment expression to the new America that we are living in, especially in liberal cities. Now, a little earlier, I told you that there's a so-called math professor at so-called Brooklyn College who said that two plus two equals four reeks of white supremacist patriarchy. And this professor named Rubel, uh, you know, there was a name Rubel brings a, a, a bell in my head, Rubel. There was a guy, Rubel, who ran Studio 54, I read. Could she be one of the, pro- the progeny of Rubel? Well, she must be related to him in the old country. And he Rubel's tweets came after Rutgers University's English department declared that proper grammar is racist earlier this summer. They said that the school's English department will alter its grammar standards, quote, to stand with and respond to the Black Lives Matter movement. And then the department's head said that the program would hold workshops on social justice and writing, increase the focus on graduate student life, and incorporate so-called critical grammar into our pedagogy in the wake of George Floyd's death and the resulting calls to end racism and police brutality. I don't know about you, but to me, saying that there are no standards in English is about as racist a thing as you can say. And to keep saying all police commit brutality is about as piggish as something anyone can be. It's about as piggish as you can get. 855-407-282. But then again, I'm preaching to the converted here on the Savage Nation, so... You're not shocked by any of this anymore. I know most of you are saying, and now what do I do? I don't know what you do. Hard times. One in four Americans have missed a bill payment since COVID-19 emerged. Let's talk about that for a minute. 26% of 2,000 people polled have already missed at least one payment since the pandemic began. They haven't paid their cell phone or cable bills. Another 25% failed to pay for streaming services. And perhaps more worryingly, some of their electricity or utilities bills have not been paid. On the average, Americans who admit to skipping a bill payment have missed five bills altogether. Now, we can't turn this into a race thing, can we? Is there any way to say it? Well, I guess they can do a quick woke analysis of those missing their bills 
And if there are more people of color missing their bills than whites, that proves ipso facto that bills themselves are racist. Because when you think about it, what is a bill? It was invented by the white male in order to oppress people of color, wasn't it? Even if you're a person of color who has a store, and let's say you charge people for goods, you're probably just doing it because you're acting like the white oppressor who taught you how to act that way. In a real economy, you would give things away. You would work for free. And the suppliers of things would supply them to you for free. And in the long run, everybody would be happier. We live in a, in a paradise, a happier country. There'd be no currency, no bills, but the goods would flow. And it would give the kids, the young people, time to advance themselves with, I don't know, more sex, more drugs, and more rock and roll, I guess. They need more time at home to find themselves, to have more fun. Because that's what life's all about. Isn't it about having fun? Well, if you're a leftist, life's all about having fun, isn't it, hun? Savage. Today, we are offering emergency rental uh, assistance through our Illinois Housing Development Authority here in Illinois because people need help being able to pay their rent for the remainder of this year. We are going to kick off a pro similar program for mortgage assistance. People are hungry. There are so many issues that have come up. We need leadership from the federal government to step up and make sure that states and local units of government well, have the kind of support that they need. Now, this is a day after Chicago was looted uh, of I guess lots of stuff. There's a picture of a, a wonderful citizen of Chicago with her old man loading up the trunk of their wrecked car with a TV set and sneakers. And I, I guess they're hungry. And I didn't know that you can eat sneakers and television sets. But then again, I have a supremacist point of view. I don't eat TVs. I do not eat sneakers. Maybe there are people who can eat television and, and sneakers. I don't know about it. Uh, it's not part of my cultural background to eat sneakers and television sets. Perhaps I'm missing something. But nevertheless, in that city, I guess they're, they're rioting because they're hungry. And they need assistance. And so they're just, uh, it's just, uh, what do you call that? When you give up stuff that's not yours, you take it. Isn't that called reparations? It's kind of a reparation kind of thing. So that's what Chicago is going through. I don't think they should be so upset about the looting and the stuff like that. It's, it's reparations of a sort. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm, 855-407-282. Ex-chair of the uh, Democrat National Committee, Mr. Rendell, who uh, was a decent governor of Pennsylvania from 03 to 11, and, and he was a centrist, by the way, old-school, old-line Democrat, you know, liberal up to a point, but not insane. So the former DNC chair, Ed Rendell, said Trump is doing better than the polls show. Would you believe this? And he gives an example. Of course. Meanwhile, senile Joe is looking for his VP pick. And his one of his top uh, choices is this Karen Bass. She's on the short list. Well, it turns out she spoke at socialist forums. She glorified Fidel Castro. She uh, is a Church of Scientology supporter. And, of course, she has nothing but good to say about the killer regime in Cuba. She traveled to Cuba eight times in the 1970s. She was an organizer for the Vencemeros Brigade, a pro-Cuban organization. I pray to God that uh, Biden picks her. Uh, excuse me, the people who are managing Biden pick her. I hope to God that they pick her. That will be the end of Biden's campaign.
and then he can go to the rest that he has needed for a long time. Because you know right after this, Jill's going to put him away. There's no way the man's... This is imp- Look, it's a sad thing to watch them using a guy like him. Why are they using Biden as a front, a front man when he's so... Co- he's sick. This is not senility. I know what this is. It's pre-senile dementia, if you look at it. It's pre-senile dementia. You don't make a, a joke of it, but you don't let a joke run for the presidency either. Why couldn't they have picked somebody else to be the front? Where did Biden come from? Why would they pick an incompetent moron like this to run against uh, Trump? Couldn't they pick somebody who's competent, a centrist Democrat who's not a racist? I guess they can't because they've been taken over by the occasional cortex wing. All right, let's take some calls. The phone number is 855-407-282. I've talked. You've listened. Time for you to talk and me to listen. Charlie in California, line two. You're on the Savage Nation. What's on your mind, Charlie? Dr. Savage, it's an honor to talk to you, sir. I, I had to call you because I listened to you all last week, and I've been listening to you asking us, is it time for you to get off the air? Is it time for you to go to private? Is it time for you to stop this? And believe me, listen, I've been listening to 10 years, and I get it. I get after everything that's going on to the things you can't talk about, the, 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 what your health stuff that happened in, in December, I feel like I, I, with the crazy world going on, I understand. But let me tell you something. I was a 22-year-old kid driving through the streets of San Francisco, mm. independent thinker, trying to figure out my way. And all of a sudden, one day, I was sick of listening to the music, so I put on the, FM ra- on the AM radio. And who did I hear? Dr. Savage. I've been listening to you for 10 years. You've changed my way. You've guided me in my dark times. You've helped me get through them. Mm. You, are a light, you are a light to us. You are a light to the, to the old, to the young as well. And to think if there's still something in there, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, don't give up on us. I know sometimes you feel like you need, enough's enough, but let me tell you, please don't give up on us. And let me tell you to the people that are sitting out there and they're wondering, should I vote this year? Should I vote? You know, if I voted for Trump last year and you're saying, oh, what's the point of voting? I heard the lady on last year. What's the point of voting? We're going to go communist either way. Where's Reagan when we need him? What's going to happen if, if you don't vote, people? Wake up. Like you said, we're at war right now. They're coming after us. They're going to take everything away from us. If you think you're going to sit at home and not vote and it's not going to matter, and Biden's going to be the same as Trump, you don't, I don't know what you're smoking, but you better put it down and you better take a dose of reality. I- well, I think that if you look at Chicago this morning, you look at Seattle, which is now looking like Beirut after a, uh, a bombing, and the governor and mayor do nothing. You look at Portland, looks like a bombed-out city. The vermin in the media do not show you block after block after block filled with vermin, homeless, violent left-wing fanatics ruling those sections of the city. They do not show you what the people are suffering through in these cities. This is what America will look like if they let this uh, uh, hologram in a basement Biden win. I agree with you, and I thank you for those kind words. As far as my future goes, uh, I don't have anything to say right now. We're in the middle of the summer. The election is coming up, and I will think hard and long coming up into the election and after it as to what my future might bring. But a lot of my future in the media has to do with forces outside of my control. I cannot go into details. Uh, I will leave it at that. And also, ultimately, God will decide. I'll be very frank with you. You say, ah, do you really mean it? Well, that's for me to really know whether I really mean it or not. And I really got to tell you, it's between me and God as to what happens. God has always guided my footsteps. 
If you are a believer in Jesus, you would say Jesus guides your footsteps. I am a believer in God himself, and I believe God has guided my footsteps. There are times I have walked on dark cliffs without even knowing that six inches to my right was a 500-foot fall. Only in the morning when I awoken and went back over that path with a guide was I shown how close it was and how I could have fallen to my death. So I would say that you could say an angel guides your footsteps, Jesus guides your footsteps. I would say God has always guided my footsteps, and I continue to have faith that he will continue to lead me in the right direction after the election. It's up to him. How's that? Okay. 855-407-282 is the phone number. MichaelSavage.com is the uh, website. Let me jump to the website and take your calls here. I've done the math professor stuff. We just posted CNN boss and his mini-me on MichaelSavage.com for your laughter. You know, ridicule is actually one of the finest things you can do to the left. So Robert Borowski was one of the producers of the show, been with the show forever, put together... (laughs) A little graphic of the CNN boss, whatever. I forget his name. I, what is his name again? Does anyone know his name? Zucker. Zeka. Zeka. Another one. Zeka. Zeka wants to be mayor of New York. Zeka. Zeka the Zeka thinks he's going to be mayor of New York. Zeka is so blown up with his ego, he wants to be the mayor of New York City. So he has a little schmendrick there called Brian Seltzer. I called his uh, little mini-me, him mini-me. Let's see what else. CNN Stelter. Offensive and other really right-wing hosts questioning Biden's health. Magnificent Mile in Chicago, hit Democrat run Chicago. And there's a prize citizen there. You can see the picture of her loading up her car with TVs and other expensive items. It's, it's a form of reparations. Knife-wielding man shot dead after taking a hostage. He's white, by the way, in case you think I'm just looking for one side. I'm not. One in four Americans have missed a bill payment since COVID-19 emerged. Next story is... Morocco's carriage horses suffer as COVID-19 bars tourists. I know you say, what the hell do I care about horses in Morocco? I'm an animal rights activist. That's why. Do you know what they're going to do with all of those carriage horses, which are like family members to the people? Think of Central Park and the horses pulling around a little carriage. It's not a bad job for a horse. It's an easy job, really. And these drivers treat them like children. They're probably going to send them to the glue factory, the meat factory. So, you know, there are a lot of ramifications of this meltdown of the world economy. Now, here's a positive story in case you're ready to turn the dial because you can't take another second of this. If you think it's bad on you, think about me. I have to look for these things. And there's no good news out there. It's all bad news. Respiratory allergies and allergic asthma may have a protective mechanism in COVID-19. I tried to explain it on the show. I try to explain it on Twitter. But this is a fascinating breakthrough in science. This is real science. And it was published in April in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology. And it explains why people with respiratory allergy and asthma do not seem to experience some of the more severe and life-threatening manifestations of the COVID-19 disease. Did you hear that? Very important to know that the, uh, well, the respiratory allergy or asthma that people suffer from are actually associated with reduced gene expression in a protein which the coronavirus uses to infect cells with COVID-19. So you're saying, what are you saying? It's counterintuitive. What I'm saying is this group of scientists, they're geniuses, have found that people with respiratory allergies and asthma, okay, are actually protected to a great extent against having the COVID-19 virus 
latch onto their cells and invade their body and grow inside their body. It's very important because the real scientists out there are racing around the clock with this disease and trying to find the mechanisms of action, how to inactivate it, what drugs, what foods, what styles of life may affect it. And there's so many geniuses out there. And you know, when I read science for a break, because I grew up reading science, my mind clears of all the trash and filth that's put out by the media. And so I apologize for having to report the trash and filth. But after all, that's what liberals have given us. Drugs, sex, rock and roll, and filth. Savage. I used to like the news as a kid. I didn't know what it was. I saw like a thing go around northeast, west, and south on the evening news in New York City. My mother catered to me. She had a TV tray out there. Steak, french fries, followed up with an ice cream. Something light, light food. They'd use today in an experiment to see how fast they could force an animal to die of a heart attack. But uh, I had a long run with it anyway because I changed my whole diet when I was 40. Speaking of diet, uh, I wanted to tell you a story. I I had a little food poisoning last night. I, I can't help it. I had Chinese food last night again. I know you're going, oh, no, not again. You, you haven't learned. During the COVID epidemic, I've gone there. I know the local play. And I don't know whether I can blame it on him. I did put a lot of the hot oil on the food. You know, that, that reddish oil. It probably, I don't know what did it. All I know is I had food poisoning all morning. I didn't think I could do this show. But thank God I'm doing this show. I drank a lot of uh, black tea, et cetera, this and that. So I was thinking as I was laying in my delirium of food poisoning back to my childhood, And my father had a friend named Herbert the Hunk. Now, not in the sense that we think of the word hunk today. He was a Hungarian. Not that he was well hunked. He was Herbert the Hunk because he was Hungarian in origin. So they named him Herbert the Hunk. I hope his children or grandchildren aren't listening. Jeez, I should have changed his name. This guy was a moocher. I like the guy a lot. He was tall, thin with a mustache, but a nice guy, but a mooch. He'd come over the house. He'd always eat whatever food was in the house. If you offered him, you'd eat that refrigerator blind. No one ever understood why he was such a mooch. So my father got pissed off after many years. And I remember what he did one day. God rest his soul. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. We had a dog, Tippy, the one that bit me. So we used to feed him stuff in a can called kennel ration, which is probably, I don't know, chopped up horse meat. I remember my father said, hey, Herbert. He went in the kitchen. Would you like a hamburger? And they knew Herbert would say yes because he was a mooch. Sure, sure, I'd like one. My father gets out the frying pan. He never cooked my father. And suddenly the meat starts to sizzle. He feeds Herbert the hunk the hamburger, which is really probably a horse burger. And he says, you know, this is delicious. Benny could have another one. My father said, sure, Herbert, coming right up. I don't know who was more cruel, me or my father. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. 
And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. We still have comedy, though. We still have great comedy out there. There's always rambling Joe Biden. What the f***? Joe says that even people with Tourette's go, no. No. What is going on? Joe is like your uncle who's on a new drug and hasn't got the dosage right. I'm proud to work with Barack America. He's not a superhero, you idiot. Come here. When FDR was on television, there was no TV back then. Come here, Joe. Sit down. <laughs> that was Robin Williams, former neighbor of mine. He would never do that today if he were alive. You know, in fact, his own daughter, Robin Williams, attacked uh, Trump for using this old uh, tape of Robin Williams about Joe Biden. He did it. A father did it. What do you want? What do you want to revise everything your father did? He was a funny guy, and his father was a her father was a very big Democrat his whole life. All right, it's the Savage Nation. Phone number is 855-417-282. Even if you are listening to this show on the stream where it's very, very popular, meaning you're not listening on a radio station because I'm too hot to handle on some radio stations, and so people pick it up on the on the web, you can call the same number. You're getting it live. Phone number is 855-417-282. I suggest you call now because the lines will be sold out shortly. Now, for those of you interested in the Vikings... I am reinterested in the Vikings. We have a great guest on at 1.30 today, meaning at 30 after the hour, and that is a professor, an award-winning archaeologist, author, Nat Geo grantee Patrick Hunt, Hunt, who earned his Ph.D. in archaeology from the Institute of Archaeology, University College London. He's taught at Stanford for 30 years, and he is an expert in uh, this subject of the Vikings. His Alps research has been sponsored by the National Geographic Society, Lectures for National Geo on Hannibal, and the European mummy nicknamed Otzi the Iceman. Maybe the Democrats can run Otzi. You know, if they ran Otzi the Iceman for the candidate, he'd probably do better than Biden. Anyway, the professor will be with us to describe Viking culture and answer the main question that I have for him today, which is, are the Chinese today's Vikings? It was hard to phrase that properly. But it dawned on me a few weeks ago as I was reading about the legendary warriors of land and sea known as the Vikings that the China of today is like the Viking nation of their time. We're going to talk about that in case you're interested in history, and we'll see where that goes. It should be fascinating to me. In the interim, the phone number is 855-400-7282. Let's take some callers. Silas in Virginia, line one. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Yes, thank you, Michael, for having me on. I, I just want to say, you know, something that's missing in this whole dialogue of the defunding the police movement. As a teacher, I'm, a, I'm an African American conservative U.S. history teacher here in Virginia. And what, sorry to hear. I'm sorry to hear it. You must really be a minority. <laughs> it's, it can be a very lonely place. A very lonely place. Well, tell me, I listen. I know about it. I'm, I'm estranged from my own people for similar reasons. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I, I followed you for some time. But you know, I see in the classroom there is such a breakdown in being able just to do simple things like follow. We call direct instruction, mm. or, or or following an imperative. You know, sit down, raise your hand. 
And I, it dawned on me that it, it, it's because of really you have 80% of these kids who have no fathers in their home. I wrote, I wrote a book about it a couple years ago about a true story of a girl. 80% have no fathers in their home, and they're not used to. So the father was the disciplinarian in, in that home? And the authoritarian. Yes, he set a structural... Uh, uh, well, my book is called Mr. Gunnerson's Home Economics, and it's, it, it, goes, it, it talks about a girl, a real-life girl. But I did some studies, and what happens is when you, when you remove the father, and there is no structural authority, and the kids learn to manipulate mothers on their feelings, the kids basically raise themselves. And when you, and when you tell them, you give them direct instruction, it's a foreign to them. They don't know how to respond. So it, it's not based solely on race. It's based upon no. anyone in authority is their enemy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they can't deal with direct instruction. They don't respect authority. And so the natural conclusion is just remove it. I mean, it's a foreign element. So remove so it. So first it's the police. Well, actually, first it was the church, then the teachers, now the police, right? Absolutely. And it's going to go on. They want to live like they're living in Seattle. They want to live like they're living in Portland. They want that kind of system where it's communal and, and breakdown of the, of, the, of the family, of the... Right. And so where are they going to get the basic goods, the ba- basic necessities of life? They're going to have to steal it? Uh, they haven't thought that far out. They think they can they, that they are, they're entitled to it. And how- right. So in other words, the government's going to just give them yep. the food, give them the alcohol, give them the drugs, give them the toilet paper, give them a shelter? That, that's basically the mindset of generations of kids who have no contact so what is the solution to this problem, Silas? How do you how do you give them fathers when there are no fathers in so many communities? That's that, that's what I've been thinking about over the over just the longest time. And you really can't replace a dad. There is no replacement for him. But the best second thing is some kind of men. Have you wait, have you noticed something? You say you're African American, correct? Yeah, yeah. Have you noticed that some of the loudest voices in the Black Lives Matter movement? are um, African American, they're not even American, Africans who are um, lesbians? Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah. How did that happen? How did that faction of the people become the leaders of that movement? Well, you see, again, you go back to a community. But these are the women who say that they're they're cultural Marxists, they're anti-male, they're anti-authority, so it fits right into what you're saying in a way. Yep, absolutely. There's a book out, too, I just saw in Barnes & Noble talks about that. I was kind of surprised to see it. But they, it's, it's huge now. These movements, which really reflect on the breakdown of the family. So, okay, let's run, let's run the clock, Ed. Let's say Biden wins. What happens to the African-American community if Biden wins? Tell me what he does to pull this uh, uh, act together. What, what's he going to do that is not being done? Is there anything he could do? Oh, uh, I no, not not when you contrast them with Trump. What he's what they'll do is make sure they remain oppressed or they feel oppressed, mm. so so they can continue to receive some kind of government assistance. Uh, so he will always placate the mobs. He will always justify mob rule. He will always blame white people for the actions. Is that what Biden's going to do? Uh, I believe that's their game plan because that's how they can. That's how they keep in power, keep in control. They need to have people who are. Are you yourself married with children? I'm curious. Absolutely, absolutely. So it must be very tough for you 
to to assert authority on your own kids because they must go to school and pick up this anti-authoritarianism from their friends. Not in my house. In, in, in our house, we live, we're Christian people, and the Bible is the final authority. You know, I, and I taught my kids. Well, you see, here's the interesting thing, Silas. You just said something so telling. You're Christian people. There was a time when most Americans uh, of uh, African heritage were Christians. It was almost 100% true. Am I correct about that? Yeah, you can go back 50, 60 years. Right. I remember visiting the Abyssinian Church, for example, up in Harlem with a street preacher when I was a youngster. And I was moved by the services and by the passion. What actually happened to Christianity in the African-American community? How did it, how did it get moved out? Who did it to them? You know what? Because <laughs> I'm an author, and I've, that's been something I've been, I've been so dying to write that what happened in those years, that those, those, those years where a father loved his children and sacrificed for his children and did everything to get his sons ahead and open doors for them. You know, what happened was, I think after civil rights, in, in my, uh, the civil rights movement, in my way of thinking, they left God out of their transition where they went after mammon and they went after gold and they went after make it big and they went after and they forgot they forgot their values well but remember lbj created the great society where he substituted the father with the government that's a well-established sociological fact i think you would concur with that and so where there was once a an african-american strong figure a father in the home suddenly the government became the father in the home with a welfare check do you concur with that analysis Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, my parents yeah. were different because they came out of that era. Both of my parents were educators. So I, mean, I grew up kind of a... Pretty- so you grew up in an educated household. It's like, you know, apples and oranges. You can't even compare it to the kids who are growing up in a home with, A, no father, and B, let's say a mother who may be herself a product of that system. She herself may be a welfare recipient, not working, no, no values whatsoever, uh, dependent upon society. So what is the child going to learn? Absolutely the same. Well, I don't have the answer to this. I mean, maybe the society is is broken and it's going to be segmented. And those of us who live like decent, normal, hardworking Americans are going to have to live like that and let the others live the way they live with the state taking care of them because I don't see a solution, Silas. I do have a solution to the fact that you're a great caller and that I really appreciate your listenership and that the phone number here is 855-407-282 and then I'll be back in a moment. Savage. It is the Savage Nation. I guess we're talking about a sociological issue. I mean, we've gone on from some of the bigger topics to the issue of lawlessness, the uh, issue of so many uh, teens, to use a euphemism, so many teens seem to be so violent and disrespectful of any authority, whether it be the church, which was kicked out a long time ago by the communist perverts, then the school was knocked over and enter into the academic establishment, complete losers who don't belong in classrooms as students, let alone as teachers, telling you that two plus two doesn't equal four, for example. And then, of course, you had this escalation over the last year by CNN and MSNBC that Trump has caused the world to collapse, that he colluded with the Russians, he caused the virus, he made the epidemic worse, 
It's all a lie. It's constant Soviet-era propaganda. But what is the solution? Mecca in Oakland has a solution to one of the problems. And what is the problem, Mecca, that you have a solution for? Hi, Michael. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm just calling to say that there was a demand letter brought forward. It was published in the SFA View in December 2018. And also it was um, released to KTVU News in Oakland on June 5th. And it really lays out how to get African-American people on their feet and moving forward and moving toward a goal of self-determination. Well, wait, did they publish the letter? Um, SF Bayview published it December 2018, but KTVU has refused to release it. It's really detailed. It's, it's late. Well, why, is it, why is it require something other than government assistance? Is that it? Oh, no, sir, not at all. No assistance. Well, well, why don't you give us a short version of the solutions that you have, Mech? I'd be very curious. Well, one of them is ownership transfer. What does that mean? Ownership transfer of government unencumbered land to African-Americans. In other words, you want to appropriate what's not yours. Oh, sir, it's not about appropriating what's not ours. It's just that we have been, it's been stolen from us. How is it stolen from African-Americans? Um, because of our ancestors put in the work and the wage. Oh, that big lie? Oh, tell me about the lie. Let's talk about it. No, you talk about it. Their ancestors weren't even in San Francisco or Oakland at that time. Sir, I'm talking about in the United States of America. Okay, so you want land outside of the San Francisco area to be given to people who didn't earn it? No, sir. The part of the demand letter states, here's just an example. The pardon, rehabilitation, and release of all nonviolent offenders and holding institutions and facilities such as... Oh, so you want the jails emptied out of even more criminals? No, 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 not criminals. These are people with nonviolent offenders. Some of them. How would you define nonviolent? Um, marijuana. Anything okay. Not- okay, I, I could see that. Go on. Okay. The other one is the unalienable right to exercise norms, mores, and freedoms as it pertains to units of exchange, commerce, and. <laughs> what does that mean? Please explain that. That means the same thing that white America has done from day one. We want the same thing. We want to be able to do, have our own government, have our own. Oh, so you want apartheid, in other words. No, not apartheid. Because oh, yes, you do. You want, you want segregation and apartheid, the very things that your former leadership worked for, which was equality and integration. You now want to set the clock back, what, 70, 100 years? You want to live in your own world? No, sir, I don't believe in segregation. I believe in no form of segregation, just like Malcolm X. No form whatsoever. But you just said you wanted segregation. Hold on. I, I, I don't care how you phrase it. You said you want your own government and your own currency. What would that be? Sir. What, what do you think talking to me about saying sir is going to stop me from thinking? No, 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 no. You just asked for segregation. You said you want to do for the African-American what the white people have done. You want to create your own government on appropriated land that isn't even yours and create your own currency. Isn't that what you're saying? Well, you know what? Ultimately, here's what it is. Since our government does not believe that systematic, there's systematic racism. There is systematic racism right now against white people. Oh, OK. Well, that's fine. That's your opinion, which we appreciate. But we need to take them to international court, so then it can pr- we can prove international court. And w- w- where is this international court? This idealistic international court. Who's going to be in that court? 
Well, let's just go back to the normal. Why is it that you're so full of resentment and hatred toward the society that you have full equality in? How did this happen to you? Oh, no, no, no. This, that's not true. It's not full equality. I am definitely a person who grew up. I grew up in Monterey, California. I grew up understanding that we are all equal. Never dealt with racism in that degree. When I moved, So how did you become such a twisted hater? Oh, so tell me why I'm a twisted hater. <laughs> you hate the society. You say white people have oppressed you. You say that you want your own society of African-Americans with your own currency, and you want land that isn't yours. If that's not the definition of hatred, I'd like to know what is. I definitely... And I, by the way, I don't even think Uncle Joe is going to give you what you're asking for. Do you? Oh, I don't want... Oh, no. I don't trust Joe Biden or Trump. Well, maybe he'll pick a communist running mate. Like that prize that he's uh, talking about. A few of the outright supporters of authoritarianism and communism. I'll be right back. Have to move along. Thanks for the call. Savage. We're going to move along in a minute or two to discussing the Vikings and are the Chinese today's Vikings with Dr. Patrick Hunt, archaeologist and author. Before we do, I want to go back to the last call for one minute. I enjoyed that call with the uh, lady who called for a couple of reasons. First of all, she was respectful, not angry, not hateful. She was trying to be logical. Actually, she was very logical from her point of view. I think she was presenting the viewpoint of Malcolm X to a national audience, you know, land that is not let's say, belonging to the people she wants to give it to to be given to people. Uh, a separate black nation inside this nation with its own currency, which is crazy. I never heard of anything like this. But where do these ideas come from? How would that actually work? And I think that I will have this discussion again another time on the show. I'm a free thinker. I'm open to ideas. She wants more jail reform. I said, what, more criminals released? And she said, no, just those with marijuana offenses. I know, Okay, let's talk about that. So maybe there's a point of discussion that could be had downstream. But right now, I want to go to Dr. Hunt, who is kindly waiting for us. He's an award-winning archaeologist and author. And we're going to talk about the Vikings right now on The Savage Nation with Dr. Hunt. Dr. Patrick Hunt, thanks for being with us on The Savage Nation. Thank you, Dr. Savage. I'm honored to be a part. Well, that's very kind of you. And um, you are the expert. I am really just an interested participant in the incredible tales of the legendary warriors of land and sea because when people say viking they think just of barbarians who pillage but they ruled for 300 years didn't they more or less yes and they were tremendous explorers uh brave and uh incredibly uh able to navigate long distance uh over icy seas and they they had a technology that they had a calcite crystal that they used for navigating in cloudy days called the sunstone the sun who it's called a solar sign a sunstone so how did they navigate in a in a in a, in a violent windy stormy sea what did they use well they were pretty brave but they had uh and one of the things i work on with the vikings is their shipping and their boats and they had boats that were needle-like, very long, uh, sometimes 30, 40 oars, so they could row when the wind was down. They, their sails were almost 100 feet uh, you know, across, so they mm. could catch the wind, and it's always pretty windy you know, in, in 
in inclement weather. And they, uh, I'm holding right in my hand right now, Doc, a, a calcite crystal, which is rhomboidal, and it duplicates, if you hold it up, it mirrors the image, and they could track the sun with it because the sun would have a double image, and the direction they would go in would tell them where the sun was. So the Vikings were more than just barbarian hordes that pillaged. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, they were... You know, as we're speaking, you know, I spent many years studying the South Pacific Islanders, you know, as a broad statement. But they were able to navigate over thousands of miles of open water as well in their own navigational ways. I'm sure you've seen, you know, some of those studies as well, right? The South Pacific Islanders? Yeah. When I'm in Norway working on Vikings, I've also... Uh, met with Tor Heyerdahl Jr., and his father was the one who did that Kontiki raft. Oh, I, I love Thor Heyerdahl's work. He was debunked by the uh, anthropologists of his time. Do you believe that there were actually migrations from South America out into the Pacific from uh, using those rafts, those balsa rafts? I, I think it's very credible. Um, you know, it's hard to prove these things, but I think there, there's a growing consensus. And, you know, Tor Heyerdahl, he, you know, he's a Viking descendant. So, you know, that sort of crossing the seas navigation, you know, uh, was something that, that uh, he had kind of in his blood. And well, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Viking descent, but I have crossed <laughs> the seas on ocean liners. Does that count? Also, I'm an avid boater, of course. How did that happen? Why does a guy like me who grew up in a New York City in a tenement, why am I a boater? What's in my blood? Why, why, do I, why am I drawn to the sea? What do I love about the water? I don't know. That's a separate question. But let's get back to the boatings, the myth and the reality about the Vikings. They ruled most of the Northern Hemisphere in the Middle Ages. We're seeing plundering right now in the inner cities. Mm-hmm. How does the plundering that we see that is going on right now by hordes and gangs differ from the plundering of the Vikings? Well, uh, that's a really interesting question, and I, I can't speak so much to the inner urban uh, situation. Uh, I'm, you know, as an archaeologist, I can speak to the Vikings who were very systematic uh, in their they're both, you know, if, if you wouldn't trade with them, they were likely to raid you. And they did pirate a lot of bullion, uh, primarily silver. They had trade routes. Uh, I mean, they went clearly all the way to Newfoundland, to North America. They probably went as far south as Massachusetts, braving, you know, uh, pretty cruel weather. And I can say that um, they, they were also slavers. They had a lot of slave trade. In fact, one of the interesting things about Iceland... But who did the Vikings enslave? What kinds of people were enslaved? They really didn't. They weren't very choosy. Uh, I think they enslaved uh, in a lot of their raids. Uh, and, and they took a lot of people. And, yeah, they sacked monasteries like Lindisfarne in 793. They sacked other places. But they weren't so uh, bloodthirsty. They didn't kill everybody. Uh, they may have, uh, you know beat a lot of people up, but they, they were after gold and silver, and yeah, they might burn your town down, but if anything, <laughs> we're, we're, we know they took women, because in Iceland, a lot of the cemeteries where you look at the burials of women, the men are all basically Scandinavian in their DNA, and the women come from all over the world. They, they oh, so the women were the, were the ones who were captured? Uh they would enslave anybody, but the women they particularly took for, you know, bedmates, wives, whatever. So you've got Irish, British, Scottish, 
uh, Norman French, all over, wherever they went. And they went down to Spain, they went to the Mediterranean, uh, they went uh, to Constantinople, uh, you know, current Istanbul. They Did, didn't, they, didn't they pillage ancient Jerusalem as well and steal the silver out of the temples? I, I don't know that that one I can really track. Uh, mm. they, were, they were definitely, uh, they, they would use as part of their trade uh, a lot of silver that they would confiscate, because that was their, you know, their, their basic coin. Uh, and they would take this silver and they would chop it up. And wherever they went, they took balance scales to weigh things, because hmm. they weren't going to let themselves get cheated. And, you know, they, they traded uh, silver, silk, spices. They were trading with Baghdad. They were, a lot of the coins that they have come from uh, the uh, Islamic world. Uh, so right, starting in 845, the, there was a Danegeld payment, which was a money, uh, a money type. But Danegeld, Danegeld, does that, yeah. that ring a bell? Danegeld. Yeah, Geld means money in the in the Teutonic language. So Geld, uh, and then Donna Dane. So Danegeld, yeah, Dane, Danegeld, yeah. So in addition to pillaging, what did they give the world? Did they give the world anything of note? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that their trade, because they were the best seafarers in the world at the time, uh, their ships were basically made of oak uh, overlaid plank, little, you know, overlaid planks. They were very seaworthy, and they would go where nobody else would go. So just the extent of their trade alone, some people think that they were the model for the Hanseatic League, you know, the medieval trade. Uh, with codfish and, and you know, and, and spices. Uh, they brought uh, honey, tin, wheat, iron, wool, fur, leather, fish, walrus, ivory. Have you ever heard of a Lewis chessman? It's an ivory chess set in the British Museum. It's Norwhale tusk. And uh, everywhere they went, uh, they brought goods. So they distributed goods in a much further way than anybody else. Most of the world never traveled at that time. Wait, so they, di they didn't just pillage and rob. They traded for goods, is what you're saying, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So as a youth, I read about Leif Erikson, the Viking. And uh, Leif Erikson was the first to sight America. He certainly predated Columbus, right? Absolutely. And in AD 1000 to 02, Leif Erikson discovered Heluland, which they think is Labrador. And listen, I, I found this odd. Vinland, which is probably Nova Scotia. Yeah. How did grapes grow in Nova Scotia prior to cultivation? Were they wild grapes? Yes. Vitis vinifera, Vitis silvestris, and uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, worldwide grape distribution. They don't look like, you know, our juicy grapes. They were small. But, yeah, grapes are pretty much a global uh, uh, genus. Right, right, right. It's interesting. I, I understand. I have very small grapes on a small house I own somewhere, and they've ne they never grow very large. They're small. They're very sweet, though, very packed with juice and, and sugar. So Leif Erikson discovers Heduland, Labrador, and Vinland, probably Nova Scotia. And they settled a lot of people on Vinland because there, were, there was something to eat there, right? It was, it was a good place to go. We've even found their ironworks where they were smelting uh, uh, iron for swords. Uh, and, you know, look at their coins. A lot of their coins have swords <laughs> as, a, as a motif, which tells you a lot of... Why is it when I look at reconstructions of what Viking men look like, these gigantic men, 
heavily muscled. Why am I thinking of the Hell's Angels? I don't know about that one, but it is funny. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Hell's Angels have a similar mode of of, of commerce, don't they? Well, they definitely have their wheels. you know, it's interesting. <laughs> right. Instead of the long ships, they have motorcycles. So yeah. I was reading about the berserkers uh, of old who put themselves into a trance before heading into battle. They worked themselves up into a, a frenzy, a mental frenzy, the berserkers. We still see that in a, in a modified form, don't we, with sports teams who try to pump themselves up before going against another team. But before we lose sight of what I would like the professor to discuss, Dr. Patrick Hunt, on the Vikings is that the thought occurred to me that the Chinese of today, the Chinese culture of today, is very much like the Viking culture of these ancient times. Is that, a inv- is that an invalid uh, theorem? Well, I would preface it by saying that uh, I am really uh, impressed by uh, the fact that for probably 5,000 years, China has historically led world technology. You know, they invented, you know, gunpowder, the seismograph, all kinds of things. And a lot of people say, wow, they're technologically brilliant. And I would agree with that. But I also know, for example, uh, at Stanford you know, University Museum, the Cantor Center, we've got a fabulous Chinese art collection. So I think we have to also acknowledge that the Chinese soul is very deep. And they're not just copycats. They've invented a lot of art forms. But what, where the parallel that I think is brilliant that you've made fit is uh, they don't necessarily abide by the same idea that we would with intellectual copyright laws. Mm. Uh, in fact, kind of funny, uh, a couple of years ago, I published a book with Simon Schuster on Hannibal, and the book's done well. In fact, you remind me, uh, uh, Dr. Savage, of Hannibal. Often, a, uh, a, a, you know, he was a misunderstood genius, but a <laughs> you're, you're the only person who's ever compared me to Hannibal. I don't have any elephants. I have a toy poodle, if that counts. Well, you know what, though? Uh, he was the most brilliant tactician uh, who is not always acknowledged. He probably schooled the Romans. He spanked them so hard in multiple battles, but he probably forced them to change their whole form of warfare. And maybe Hannibal is why... They conquered the world. But getting back to, to, to Hannibal, uh, the publisher sold my Hannibal book to China, but they insisted on everything up front. They who, 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 who? Oh, the publisher did? Yeah. Because, oh, sure, because they knew they'd never collect. They don't pay royalties over there. Exactly. exactly. And one of my students, uh, uh, Henry Liao, a Chinese student, had made a heart device. And he had it made in China because, you know, their laser technology is amazing. But he had it made 15 or so different parts, all made in different places in China so that nobody in China could put it together and take it from him and and steal the the idea. But, you know, when I see the Chinese government of today, which is really ruthless and very, very clever in the, the, the slowness at which they devour things, they don't do it quickly like the Vikings they do it slowly, but they are really eating up the world, aren't they? Well, they definitely, well, what is it? There's a fishing fleet off the Galapagos Islands right now in supposedly protected waters. I mean, they don't necessarily follow the same idea of what we would call um, legal boundaries. Uh, well, well, hang in there for a minute, Dr. Hunt. We're speaking about 
the Vikings. People all know who the Vikings were. And I'm asking if the Chinese of today are not very much like the ancient Vikings. We'll have a few minutes when I come back. Please stay with me on the Savage Nation. Thank you, sir. Savage. It is the Savage Nation. We're almost flat out of time with Dr. Hunt, and I want to invite the doctor back with us when I return on Wednesday to talk about a lot of things. Dr. Hunt, are you with us still? I, I, I understand you've read all of my books on plants. Is that true? I, I have your Earth Medicine, Earth Food. It's been an incredible influence in my own work in ethnobotany. Unbelievable. Well, I'd like to, two things. When you come back on the show, talk about the Vikings again how they how they may or may not reflect the Chinese of today in some ways, certainly not in all. Uh, and your own work, I'd like to visit you at Stanford, if I'm allowed on the campus, to see your plant collections. Uh, yeah, I have a, yeah, I have a, a garden of Dioscorides here in my house, outside but, the garden. But uh, do you have an herbarium on the Stanford campus? campus? Yeah, we, we, we do have some botanical gardens, yes. Wow. Well, I certainly would like the opportunity to visit, again, Dr. Patrick Hunt, archaeologist, author, discussing with us Viking culture and how they were able to rule most of the Northern Hemisphere in the Middle Ages. Dr. Hunt, any last comment in the 30 seconds that remain? Uh, well, should I read you a quick Viking poem about uh, blood and gore? <laughs> <laughs> no, because in 20 seconds, you won't go do it in 20 seconds, will you? That's okay. It's only a five-line poem, but anyway... Uh, maybe on Wednesday we could do this again. Again, Dr. Han Vikings, thank you very much for being with us. When I come back, which will be on Wednesday, we will continue with all the politics of the day and we'll discuss the Vikings of today, uh, whoever they may be. The Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs> 